share with you the Sunday school class um, in one lesson, I'm going to try to put together a whole series of messages I preached. In fact, I, I put them together in a book called The Fruit of the Spirit, and we have a few copies with us, and uh, if you'd like to get a copy, if we run out, we can send, mail some to the church. Um, but they're $8 each, and it's just a study through the fruit of the Spirit, and it's more detailed than what I'm going to talk about this morning. But in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, very familiar set of verses, many of you have memorized them, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ who crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let's bow for prayer together. Father, we pray as we open up your word that you would open up to our hearts and to our lives. We pray that you'd use your word today to challenge us and to teach us, and that we may leave here filled with the fruit of the Spirit. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wanted to preach a series of messages on this passage, and so I, I wanted to study it. It's a very familiar passage, but I wanted to make sure that I really understood it and would, could uh, apply the principles, because I wanted to be a Christian that was filled with the fruit of the Spirit, and I wanted to teach my people that as well. And so as I studied the passage, there was a question that kept coming up in my mind that I could not answer. And that is, if you read in verse number 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and then it goes on and lists nine different fruits. And I am not an English major. I, I don't do well with English. My wife was always giving me a bad time about that. And college, my English teacher said I should take English as my second language. And so um, I've never been good at English, but I do understand the idea of plural and singular. And it's singular fruit, but it's a plural number of fruits, nine fruits. So shouldn't it say the fruits of the Spirit are? And I couldn't figure out why it said the fruit of the Spirit is. I knew the Bible didn't make any mistakes. And so I wanted to understand that. And so I went to the commentaries, and not only did they not answer the question, they didn't even ask the question. So that didn't help me out at all. And uh, so I began to meditate. And one of the things you want to learn how to do in your Christian life is learn how to meditate upon the Word of God. Uh, I think it's one of the missing um, things in our lives today as Christians, and one of the reasons we don't get as much out of the Word of God as we should. We need to read it, we need to study it, we need to hear it, but we also need to learn to meditate upon the Word of God. And to meditate just means to, to think upon the Word and to think about what the Bible is saying. And, uh, and, and to do that all the way through, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7, I'm going to quote a lot of verses you want time to turn to, but uh, it, it says, When thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And that's what meditation is, just to, to read the word, and then wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, to think about what you've read. And so I, I was thinking about what it meant to be the fruit of the Spirit, even though there's nine different fruits. And while I was thinking about that, my wife asked me to go to the store. And uh, so I went to the store and I, I continued to meditate in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt uh, meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest reserve to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And again, the word meditate means to ponder. Uh, it, it literally means to murmur. It's like talking to yourself. And so as I was going to the store, I, I was kind of talking to myself and saying, okay, what does it mean, fruit of the Spirit? And as I was walking up and down the aisles and looking for what she wanted me to find, I, I was aisle number four, and in aisle number four, that was uh, where all the juices are, you know, the, the orange juice and the lemonade juice, and uh, uh, we have passion juice and, or and guava juice and all the rest of them. And as I was walking down the aisle, I, I noticed that there was a section that was uh, uh, combined fruits. Uh, we have in Hawaii what's called pog, passion orange guava. And it's the three of them combined together in one bottle of fruit juice. 
And I noticed on the label, it didn't say fruits juice, even though there was three different fruits in the pog. It didn't say fruits juice, it said fruit juice. It was singular. And the reason why is because those three fruits came together to create a, a, a new, unique flavor. And so the flavor was singular, even though there was three different fruits in that bottle. And, and that's the same way here. What God wants to do is take the fruits of the Spirit and create a unique flavor in each of our lives. You know, the, the flavors varied according to what was in the bottle. If it was an orange, uh, uh, lemonade, orange and lemon together or whatever it might be. Uh, or, and even among the same thing, among the pog, there was different brands. And some would have more of a passion fruit flavor. And some would have more of an orange juice flavor. And some would have more of a guava taste to them. And, and so each one had a unique flavor. And that's what God wants to do in your life and my life is he wants to take the fruits of the Spirit and he wants to combine them and blend them in our lives and each one of us is going to create a unique flavor of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine, whereas next is, but be filled with the Spirit. And, and God wants to fill us with the Spirit and create that unique flavor, that unique blend uh, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and so um, each of us are a unique flavor of the Lord. And and as I was going through the aisle and looking at these different fruit juices, I started taking them down off the, the shelf there and looking at them, reading the labels, trying to think about it, how it would apply to this passage and how I could illustrate it with that. And, and as I picked up one of the bottles uh, of the fruit juice there that was on the shelf, uh, I, I turn over your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, if you would, please. Philippians chapter 1. As I picked up that, Bible, that uh, bottle, I looked on the front of the bottle and had in great big bold letters, it said real fruit juice, real fruit juice. And I thought, man, that's good, having some real fruit juice. That's what you want to be, is you want to be a real Christian. And I was looking at the bottle, and I turned over, looked at the back, and on the back, and in fact, on this one, it says contains 1% juice. And that bottle said contains 10% juice. Now, I'm looking at her saying the front says real fruit juice, but on the back it says contains 10% juice. And, and I'm thinking that's, that's kind of false advertising, isn't it? Uh, this, isn't, this isn't real. It isn't, it isn't special. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, it says that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ on the glory and the praise of God. You see, God wants us to be real Christians, not just 10% of the time when we come to church, but 100% of the time in our lives. He wants us to be real Christians all of the time. And, and, and so we need to be real Christians in the Lord. Now, you know, do you ever come to church? Do you ever get thirsty during church service? Anybody, anybody thirsty right now? Anybody get, get thirsty? I, I want to help you out. I'm a kind of guy who likes to help the people. And so I'm going to help you out here. And so I've got this bottle of fruit juice. And um, we're going to go ahead. You feel better now? Does that satisfy your thirst? Let me try again. Now, I could drink this whole bottle of fruit juice, and it's not going to satisfy your thirst. Coming to church is not meant to satisfy your thirst for God. It's meant to make you more thirsty. I want you to leave church saying, I want some of what pastor preached about today. And, and I want it personally. You see, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6, it says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. In John 7, 37, it says, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Don't come to church expecting your thirst for God to be satisfied. Come to church to become thirsty for God. Our theme verse for our church is Acts 17, 11. 
which says that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all raise of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. You see, you need to leave church saying, I want more of what I saw a pastor have today. And not to quench your thirst, but to make you thirsty for God. Now, I have up here not only a bottle of fruit juice, but also a bottle of soda. And if you take this bottle of fruit juice and you take this bottle of soda and you shake them both up really, really good. Now, what's going to happen when I open these two bottles? What's going to happen when I want to open this bottle right here? It's just going to get better. Well, what's going to happen? If I open this bottle right here in front of you, what's going to happen? It's going to make a mess, isn't it? Uh, it's going to explode all over the place. You see, the difference is not what happens to the bottles on the outside. The difference is what's on the inside. The, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, that love is not easily provoked. And, and a lot of times what we want to do is when we get mad and we get angry and we, when we blow up, uh, we want to blame it on our circumstances. Well, you know, my wife, she makes me so mad. Or, or my kids, they just get me upset, so upset. Or my boss at work or the people I've got to work with. You know, either we're filled with the fruits of righteousness or we're filled with the works of the flesh. And what comes out of your life is not the circumstances, it's what's inside. The circumstances are just showing us what's inside of you. Because if I shake up that bottle of fruit juice, the more I shake it up, the better it gets. But if I shake up the bottle of soda, the more I shake it up, the bigger mess it makes. And so the difference is not your circumstances, the difference is what's on the inside of you. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, revelings, uh, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. These are what come out of our life if we're filled with the flesh and we're controlled by the flesh. But if we're filled with the Spirit, it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and meekness that come out of our life. Now, as I was going through that aisle looking at the different things there, I came across another section of, of fruit juice that was very different than the first section. The first section had these bottles of fruit juice, but then I came across another section, and, and this is what the fruit juice looked like. It was a package like this. Now, in order to make this into fruit juice, you got to add water. And what we need to understand is if we want to activate the Spirit of God in our lives, what we have to do is add the Word of God into our lives. The Bible tells us in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit is going to bring all things to our remembrance. He takes the Word of God that we read, we study, we memorize, we meditate upon, and He takes that and activates it in our lives to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Go over to Psalms chapter 1. The book of Psalms chapter 1 and verses 1 through 3. Again, a very familiar passage, Psalms chapter 1, many of you have memorized it, and verse number 1, it says, Blesses the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. There's that word again. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and that bringeth forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You see, that Kool-Aid package is not juice until you add the water. And the Spirit of God is not activated in your life until you add the Word of God. It's the Word of God that creates that fruit of the Spirit in our lives. In Psalms chapter 63, in verse number 1, it says, O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in dry, thirsty land where no water is. 
And so if you want the Holy Spirit to produce his fruit in your life, you've got to water and add the word of God to activate that in your life as well. Now, if, if you, let's say after church, you say, oh, man, man, that pastor made me thirsty. And so on the way home, you decide to stop by, say, McDonald's, and you're going to get something to drink. And so you go on McDonald's, and you order a, a, a large 32-ounce uh, soda or fruit juice. Now, if they fill that for you, I know a lot of places you fill your own, but let's say they're going to fill it for you in the drive-thru or whatever, and, and they hand you that soda, and the cup is only half full. It's only halfway up. Now, what would your reaction be to that? Now, if you are an optimist, you would say, well, the cup's half full. If you're a pessimist, you would say, well, the cup's half empty. If you're a realist, you'd say, fill my cup. I paid for a full cup. You'd want what you paid for, would you not? You would not accept from McDonald's a half a cup of soda or fruit juice or whatever else it might be. So why do you want God to accept that from you? The, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. See, we want God to take a half-filled life when we would not accept a half-filled cup of soda from McDonald's. You pay for a full cup, you want that full cup. And God paid for your full life. He paid for everything on the cross, and he expects to get what he paid for. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit, not half-filled, not sometimes showing love and other times not, so not sometimes showing joy and other times not, but he wants us to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Now, another thing about being filled with the Spirit is God does not put his good blessings in dirty cups. He wants us to be clean. If you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, you've got to be clean. A number of years ago, when I go to bed at night, I like to have a glass of water. Uh, that way I don't have to get up and go get something to drink if I'm thirsty. And so I, I bring a glass of water and set it at my nightstand right next to my bed. And if I wake up during the night and I'm thirsty, I just reach over, grab, grab the water, take a drink, and then go back to sleep. And, and um, so uh, one night I had a glass of water there by my nightstand. And, and, and the way the window's set up in our, in our room, uh, there's a little bit of a gap next to the curtain. And there's a street light outside our house a little further out. And so the light kind of comes in that, that gap a little bit and shines right there by my side of the bed. And uh, it's not real bright, doesn't keep you awake, but it's enough to see uh, a little bit in the dark. And, and one night I woke up and I was thirsty and, and I reached over a glass. Didn't you have to hold my eyes up? You know how it is, you know exactly where it is. And I just had my eyes closed. I reached over and grabbed the glass and I was going to take a drink and just go back to sleep. And, and as I grabbed that glass, and I brought it over to my lips, and I was getting ready to take a drink, I decided, I, for some reason, I opened my eyes, and when I opened my eyes, looking up from me in my glass was a roach. It was inside that glass, his little, little feelers, little landers going like this, waving at me, and I'm looking in there, and I said, and all of a sudden, I was no longer thirsty. In fact, I, I, I got up out of bed. Now, I have five children, and my children were all at home that time, and my philosophy is children are the only legalized form of slavery left today. Okay, so my philosophy was my kids can wash the dishes. I don't need to wash. Now, now that they're all gone, I help wash the dishes, and that's a good romantic thing to do. Husbands is to wash the dishes. Don't buy her flowers. Don't buy her candy. Wash the dishes for her, and you'll be, you will be the man of the hour. Uh, I have a little plaque at my house that says, no man ever got shot by his wife while washing dishes. 
And there's a lot of truth to that. And, uh, but at that time, that wasn't my job. That was my children's job. But, you know, I got up out of bed. I went all the way down to the kitchen. I turned on, I dumped, first of all, I dumped that roach down the garbage disposal and gave him a little carnival ride. And, and then I took that glass and I put in about 10 squirts of soap and I grabbed the hot water and the rag and I started to scrub it. I scrubbed that glass clean before I was going to drink anything out of it. Now, the Bible says this in 2 Timothy 2.21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. I purged that glass before I was going to put anything in there that I was going to drink. And I'm telling you what, folks, if you want God to fill you with his fruit and his blessings, you've got to purge. You've got to have a clean life. You see, nobody wants to use a dirty cup. Now, our cups get dirty but we wash them. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. I've got to keep cleaning this vessel if God's going to use it. Now, in our house, we have a, a lot of vessels. We have a lot of cups. And some of them are the, the, the good stuff. You know what I'm talking about, fellas? You know what the good stuff is? That's the stuff that's not good enough for you. My wife never gets the good stuff out if it's just me. The only time the good stuff comes out is when company comes over because I'm not good enough for the good stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, she's got these fancy goblet cups that are really, they're kind of crystal goblet type things and they're heavy and they're fancy and they're pretty, <coughs> but I don't like them. I like my junky green cup. My wife will tell you, I've got this green cup. It's about this big and it's an ugly thing, but it just fits my hand right. It just, uh, it's just my cup. And, and if I'm going to go get a drink of water or something to drink, I'll grab that cup first. That's the one I want. It's not the fancy cup. It's not the expensive cup. It's the one I'm comfortable with. You know what I want to be? I want to be God's green cup. I want to be the cup, the person that when he opens the cabinet, reaches in, he's going to reach for my life because I'm clean and he's comfortable with me and I'm comfortable with him. You see, if you got, want God to fill your life, you've got to be clean and, and not, not fancy, just ready to be used by God and, and the one he's comfortable with. Now, the other thing, turn over to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. The other thing that's important is to understand you can't fill a cup that's already full. You, you can't fill a cup that's already full. Now, sometimes our lives are filled with sin and they're filled with garbage and we've got to clean them out. But sometimes it's not that they're filled with bad things. It's just you can't fill a cup that's already full. I remember one time when my son was little, I, I, uh, he asked me for a glass of milk. And so I gave him a, something to drink. And I gave him a glass of milk. And he had the glass there. And I decided I was thirsty too. But I'm not a big milk drinker. Now, you should be. Uh, but I can't drink milk because I'm allergic to it. And so uh, I went over and got a soda. That's almost like milk, right? It's just a different color. And, and uh, so I went over and got a soda. And, and my son saw me drinking that soda. He says, I want soda. Put soda in my cup. And I said, son, I can't put soda in your cup until, the milk is drunk, until you drink the milk first. Because you got a full cup. I can't put that in there. And see, if your life is filled with the things of this world, not necessarily bad things, but if it's filled with the things of the world, you can't ask God to fill it with your blessings. You've got to empty your cup in order to fill. And even, by the way, with the blessings. You can't put more in a cup until you've already used what's in there. 
and, and what God has given you in church and what God has given you in his word, you've got to use it so he can fill it again the next day. And he can fill it again over and over again. You can't fill a cup that's already full. In James chapter 3, verses 14 through 18, it says, But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of the righteous is sown in peace of them that make peace. God wants to fill your cup, but you've got to be emptied in order to be filled as well. And so as I went in the store and I learned what it meant fruit juice instead of fruits. God wants to create a unique blend of his spirit in your life. Some of you are going to have a little bit more love. Some are going to have more joy. Some are going to have more peace. And you know, as I was going through the store, I thought, well, what kind of, if, if God were to choose a fruit for each of the fruits, when God gives you a, a physical object lesson to teach you a spiritual truth, think about that physical object. Meditate upon that because he's using that as an illustration for you. And so I thought, well, what about the fruit? What kind of fruit would God use? So, for example, uh, so I chose a fruit for each one. I don't know if this is one God would choose or not, but I, I thought about it. I said, for example, love. For love, I chose a peach. Now, the reason I chose a peach, because a peach on the outside is soft and fuzzy and sweet, but sooner or later, you're going to hit the pits. And that's the real test of love. Love starts out soft and fuzzy and sweet, but in every relationship, you're going to hit the pits, and that's where the real test of love comes. What are you going to do when you hit the pits of the relationships? And then I, for joy, I chose a lemon. Because for a, a lemon, uh, first of all, when you bite into a lemon, it's a sour look. And that's kind of the opposite of joy. But the other reason I chose joy is because when I think of lemon and joy together, I think of lemon joy dishwashing soap. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's a perfect illustration of joy, Pastor, because happiness is no dirty dishes. Doesn't it make you ladies happy when there's no dirty dishes in the sink? But joy is what you add to the dirty dishes to make them easier to deal with. And so that's the difference. And so happiness is when we have no problems in life. But joy is what you add to the problems, the joy of the Lord, to make your problems easier to deal with. And so I went on through and looking at each one of the, the different kinds of fruit for, um, for long-suffering, which means patience, I, I chose an apple. Because an apple a day keeps a doctor away, and doctors have lots of patience. Oh, come on, that was good. All right? Uh, so, so I chose different fruits to illustrate, and I talk about that in the book going through there. And so I, I went through and looked at that, and then I, then I thought, well, what, something about fruit, something else, as I was going up and down the aisles, I came to another section of fruit, and that was the canned fruit. And when I came to the canned fruit, uh, I thought, you know, there's another good illustration of the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the cans I saw there was a can of fruit cocktail. You know, you know what that is. It's got all kinds of different fruits in there. And I thought, well, that's a good picture of the church. A church is like a can of fruit cocktail. You've got some people who've got a little more love in the church, and there's some people, they're known for their joy, and there's other people who are known for the peace that they have or the long-suffering, and it's a great illustration. Although I did think a better illustration of most churches, and probably this one too, is a can of mixed nuts. That's probably a better church illustration. I know it's in my church, at least. And, uh, but I thought a fruit cocktail illustrates church, because each of us has a different flavor. 
If I were to, I, I don't know you, but if I were to talk to your pastor and ask people in church, they'd probably, I'd say, who's got the most joy? And they'd probably come up with names just like that. And if I said, who, had the, who has the most love for others? They'd have a name right away. And, and because we've got, each of us got that, that extra taste of that flavor. And, and what God wants to do, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And look at verses 1 through 7. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse number 1. It, it talks about there, I therefore the prison of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of vocation where you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, even as you are all called in one hope of, our, of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So each of us is unique and special. God designs you to be part of the whole. Now, every church is different. I was preaching up in Spanaway, Washington, and I preached this lesson in their Sunday school class, and, and it was a different group of people. My church is different. Each church is different. Just like you go to the store and you buy fruit cocktail, almost every can is different. Some have got more peaches, some have got more pears, some have got a little bit more of this or that. They're each different, but they're a unique blend. And what God wants to do in this church is create a unique blend of the Holy Spirit through each of your lives. And, and bring you together to create something unique and special here. Ohana Baptist Church, the church where I pastor in Hawaii, is a unique church because we have a lot of military. And so we have a constant turnover. We lose about 125 or more people every year. And uh, so it's a constant change. So every three years, it's like a new church. And, and, and a number of years ago on our 25th anniversary, we were going to make a big deal out about it. So we decided to, to try to contact people from years before. And when my wife and I look back and think over the history of the church, we don't think in years. When we were up in Spanaway, Washington, we saw over 60 former members and, and uh, some of them from the 80s and 90s and the 2000s. But we don't think back in 1988 or 1996 or 2007. We don't think that way. We think back to the time people were there. Well, that was the year that Snyders were there. Or that's the years that, that, uh, that the, uh, the, this family was there or the Burrs were there, whoever it might be. Because that family had such an impact on the church, you cannot think about the church in those years without thinking about that family. And, and that's what you ought to be. You ought to be somebody that has an impact on the flavor of this church. That as they look back to 2020, they're going to remember that, that you were here because you had such an impact on the flavor of that church. And we use the church, our gifts in the church are used to benefit one another. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We always keep a few cans of fruit cocktail at our house. We, always, we keep a gallon can at the church because one of the great things about fruit cocktail, you just open it up, dump it in a bowl, and you're ready. So if somebody comes over, you've got something you can add to and, and help to serve if you need extra food. And, and really, what God has done, he's given you your fruit of the Spirit to be a blessing to others. You, you have a garden. Now, people have gardens. Everything comes at once. And so you have too much, you know, too much zucchini or too much of whatever else it might be. And, and so what do you do? You give it to, you share it with others. 
God gives us our fruit, not for, just for us, but to share that joy with others, to share that love with others, to be a blessing to others around us as well. It's for the gift of hospitality, to use our gifts, our fruit, to be, be a blessing to others around us. Now, I like fruit cocktail, but I don't like the cherries. I like fresh cherries, but I don't like the cherries in fruit cocktail. Something about what they do to them or something, they just, they just don't taste good to me. And when I was a kid, uh, I hated them then too. And, but my mom was a really mean mom. And, and she had this rule, you eat what I give you. And, and so when we'd have fruit cocktail, I'd say, Mom, I don't like the cherries. And she would just take a spoonful of whatever was there and put it in my bowl and say, eat it anyway. I wanted her to pick the cherries out and not put them in my bowl, but she wouldn't let me do that. And, and in fact, I, I still think to this day, she purposely put extra cherries in my bowl. Now, I, I, I'm not mad at her. I don't resent her for it, but it, it's still, I, it, I'm bitter over it. But uh, she would put those, those cherries go in my bowl. Now, I'd do everything I can not to eat them. I'd save them to the last, and I'd eat around the cherries and eat everything else, and, and I'd put it, they'd leave them in the bottom of the bowl, and I'd try to put a napkin on top of them to hide them from my mom, but it never worked. And so at the end of the dinner, when I was all done, she'd say, eat your cherries. Now, let me tell you something. If you don't like something, don't save it for last, because that's the taste you leave in your mouth. And so I learned, finally learned, as I grew up a little bit, I learned just eat the cherries with everything else and get it over with. You're not always going to like the cherries, but just take a spoonful and, and, and get it with the rest of it. And it won't be so bad. Folks, in every church, you're going to find there's people that maybe are cherries. They're just not your favorite people. They're not people you would go out and necessarily choose as your friends. But you know what? God put them in the bowl. And just enjoy them and, and just take them. Don't, don't, uh, don't reject him. Don't, you know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 8, and above all things have fervent charity or love among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. In Colossians 3, 14, it says, above all these things put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. See, I take the cherries with the rest of the church and just enjoy it. And, and we need to learn to enjoy the blessings of what God has given us. He put it in our bowl for a reason. But as I was going down that canned fruit aisle, there was something else I, I remembered. And that is, when I was a kid, we, I, my mom was a single mom with five kids, and she raised us by herself. And we didn't always have a lot of money, and food was always tight. And so my mom was always looking for the bargain. And, and there was a, a the local store. They had this special section, these shelves, where they have all the discounted items. These were things that were close to the expiration or beyond. These were things that were dented cans or, or whatever else it might be. And my mom would always go there and buy whatever was there. And, and that way she'd save some money because it was sold pennies on the dollar. And, and so one day she went there and they had this whole shelf full of, of cans that looked like this one right here. There was no labels on them. And they were like pennies on the dollar. I mean, it was ridiculously cheap. And, and so she bought them all. And she brought them home, put them in the cabinet. And we would ask mom, hey, mom, what's for dinner? And she said, I don't know, go grab a can. We used to call it, as kids, we called it dinner roulette. You never knew what you were getting. You could open a can, it'd be full of fruit. Hey, that's great. You open another can, it's got spinach in it. Oh, man, I don't want that. But whatever we opened, we had to eat. 
And we'd go in there and we'd take the can and we'd shake it and we'd look at it, trying to figure out what was in there. Never could figure it out. You just took what you got. You know what? We need to understand that you take what the Lord's given you. But here's the thing. When there's no label, you don't know what's inside. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. See, it's not the label on the outside. It's what's on the inside that's important. My wife and I worked in a candy factory after we finished college before going out to Hawaii. We, we needed a lot of money, so we were working during candy season, working double shifts. And, and my job was, I was at the end of the line, my job was to catch the cans that had gotten through the whole process, got labeled, got a lid put on, everything was sealed and everything, but there was nothing inside of them. The cans would come through empty. And, you know, of course, customers didn't want to buy an empty can, so my job was to find those and pull them off the, the assembly line there. And, and there was quite a few that way as well. They, they'd be empty on the inside, but they had the label on the outside. You know what I found? In church, there's some people like that. They've got the label that says, I'm a Christian, but they don't have Christ in their heart. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. You've got to have Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can't be filled with the Spirit if you don't have the Spirit in your life. And it's not enough to have an outside label that says, those cans, when you look at them, look perfect. They look great. And I'm in, I go to church and I see people look like good, godly Christians, but they don't have Christ. In Matthew chapter 7, you know, you know the story where they, they said, Lord, we prophesied in thy name and done miracles in thy name. And Jesus said, I never knew you depart from me, you that work iniquity. Because they didn't have Christ in their heart. They had this outside label that looked good, but they didn't have Christ in their heart and their life. You see, if I were to take this apple and I were to hang it onto a, a fake tree, you don't have any trees in here, but if I were to hang it on a fake tree, does that make a tree an apple tree because I put an apple on it? No. Hanging an apple on a tree does not make it an apple tree. And hanging good works on your life does not make you a Christian. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, then not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, the same as boast. See, an apple tree will produce apples. But hanging apples on a tree does not make it an apple tree. And a Christian will produce the fruit of the Spirit. But hanging fruit on your life doesn't make you a Christian. And so we need to make sure that we have something inside. Now, Another problem that happens sometimes in candy factories is cans get mislabeled. They've got labels as one thing on the outside, but it's something else on the inside. And you make sure that it's right on the inside. Now, the label's important, because when you have a label, it, it tells this can says it's peaches. So I know there's peaches inside this can. On the back, it's got all the nutritional information on there as well. And, and the label is important. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 18, Show, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Now, I go to a store. I'm thankful for the label. It tells me there's peaches inside this can. But you know what's better than a label telling me there's peaches in here? 
is to see them. I don't need a label because I can see the peaches. Folks, some of you have got this label that says, I'm a Christian, but people don't see Christ in your life. And we need to live our lives in a way that people can see Jesus. They can see what's happening inside of us. And the label's still important. We need to let people know this is what we believe and this is why we believe it, just like the nutrition facts in the back are still important. But it's more important that they can see Jesus in your life. And by the way, if you went to the store and saw this jar of peaches, it looks good, doesn't it? Nice, beautiful peaches, and everything looks fresh and good as it can, as it can be when it's not real fruit coming out of there. And you look at this, but if you looked a little closer and there was a little fly inside with the peaches, would you buy it? It's only one fly. The majority of this jar is peaches. The majority of this jar is good. There's only one fly in there. But you know what? It just takes one bad decision to ruin our testimony for the Lord. Even when everything else we're doing is right, but we do this one wrong thing, it can ruin our testimony for Christ. And so we need to have a, a good testimony where people can see Jesus in our lives. Psalms 34, verse 8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Can people taste Christ in your life? You see, the problem the world's having today is they're looking at Christians and say, you know what, I look at your life and I don't see any difference from mine. Your marriage doesn't seem any better. Your family doesn't seem any better. You, you don't seem any happier. So why do I want Jesus? See, they've got to taste Christ in your life if they're going to want Christ in your life, in their life. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11 says, Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. Increase the fruits of your righteousness, be enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Do you have an abundant crop of the fruit of the Spirit to share with the people around you? Do you come to church every Sunday? You know, we, we have a, a fruit tree in our yard. It's a mandarin orange tree, I believe, and, and it, it just produces abundance fruit. You know, by the way, you know why it does? Because there's a guy in our church. I'm, I'm terrible with plants. I, I, I kill plants. That's my occupation in life. When I, when I go to Home Depot and go to the garden section, the plants start screaming, okay? <laughs> not him. No, please, not him. And, and so my fruit tree, I planted some fruit trees, and they weren't producing and it was a guy in our church, he was a Filipino guy, and he, he, um, he's passed away now, but he was a real short Filipino, his name was Eli, and Eli was great with plants. He did the plants at our church building, and so I said, Eli, can you help me with my fruit trees? He says, what do I got to do? He says, Pastor, I'll take care of it. And he comes over to the house, and he brings some fertilizer, and he dug around the trees some and put the fertilizer down. Then he started pruning the trees. And I mean, he was giving the marine haircuts. He was cutting away. I thought when you pruned, you just cut away the bad stuff. He was cutting everything. He was cutting it down where there's almost nothing left. I said, Eli, Eli, what are you doing? He was cutting them short and cutting them back. I said, Eli, why are you doing that? He says, he said, Pastor, I'm cutting them short because I'm a short man. But he said, more importantly, this is what's going to produce fruit. And I thought he killed the plants. I mean, I, literally, he was cutting them so much, I thought they're going to die. The next year, we had more fruit than we've ever seen in those trees. Because he took care of them. 
You know what the Bible, our King James Bible calls a farmer? A husbandman. Isn't that an interesting word? Fellows, you're the farmer of your family. If you're not enjoying the fruit of your marriage and the fruit of your children, don't blame the tree. Look at the farmer. If my tree's not producing, I don't go out in the yard and say, stupid tree, what's wrong with you? It's not a stupid tree. I'm not giving it what it needs. I'm not giving enough water or, I, or too much water. I'm not giving it the right sunlight. I'm not giving it the fertilizer it needs. Something I'm not doing as a farmer to produce the fruit that I want to enjoy. And sometimes what God does in our lives is he does some pruning. And he does some pretty drastic things to get us to produce. But this tree started producing way more than we can eat. So every once in a while, we'll go out there and pick all the fruit, put them in a bag, take them to church, and put them by the door with a sign saying free. Because we have an abundance to share. So what did you come to church this morning to share? Did you bring some love with you? Did you bring some joy? Did you bring some peace? See, church is not just about coming to hear the pastor's message. The church is a place where we come to share the abundance of the fruit of the Spirit that God has produced in our lives and sharing that with one another. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt for the tree is known by its fruit. This church has a testimony in this community. Is the testimony a church that loves people, that loves God and loves others? Is it a testimony of a church that has the joy of the Lord? Is it a testimony of a church that is long-suffering and gentle? What about your personal testimony? If I talk to the people you work with, if I talk to your neighbors, your family, would they see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Would they see Jesus? And so I hope you might study through this passage a little bit more. Whenever you see a list in the Bible, it's there for a reason. Look at each of those fruit of the Spirit and how they apply. And, and that's what I do in the book. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to sell that. I don't make money on these. But if you'd like to do a, a deeper study, this is the series that I did on it. And I talk about love and I talk about joy. There's a chapter in each fruit. And it'd be something maybe you could study through. But even on your own, God wants to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And so I hope maybe I've challenged you a little bit this morning. Let's bow for prayer together. Father, we thank you.